Hi, this is filmmaker and author Michael Morin. Whenever I'm not riding my bike around the Davis campus, I'm listening to 90.3 KDVS College Radio right here. FM. Cool. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We start today with an email sent to us by Lisa. You, of course, can send emails to this program at info at radioparallax.com, and we would encourage you to do so. Lisa sent us this item, and I think I need to share it with you. Headline, Canada busy sending back Bush Dodgers. The flood of American liberals sneaking across the border into Canada has intensified in the past two weeks, sparking calls for increased patrols to stop the illegal immigration. The re-election of President Bush is prompting the exodus among left-leaning citizens who fear they'll soon be required to hunt, pray, and agree with Bill O'Reilly. Canadian border farmers say it's not uncommon to see dozens of sociology professors, animal rights activists, and Unitarians crossing their fields at night. I went out to milk the cows the other day and there was a Hollywood producer huddled in the barn, said Manitoba farmer Red Greenfield, whose acreage borders North Dakota. The producer was cold, exhausted, and hungry. He asked me if I could spare a latte and some free-range chicken. When I said I didn't have any, he left. Didn't even get a chance to show my screenplay, eh? The story goes on. Officials are particularly concerned about smugglers who meet liberals near the Canadian border, pack them into Volvo station wagons, drive them across the border, and leave them to fend for themselves. A lot of these people are not prepared for rugged conditions, an Ontario border patrolman said. I found one carload without a drop of drinking water. They did have a nice little Napa Valley Cabernet, though. Rumors have been circulating throughout liberal communities that the Bush administration is establishing re-education camps, wherein liberals will be forced to drink domestic beer and watch NASCAR. It's been noted that liberals have turned to sometimes ingenious ways of crossing the border. Some have taken to posing as senior citizens on bus trips to buy cheap Canadian prescription drugs. After catching half a dozen young vegans disguised in powdered wigs, Canadian immigration authorities have been stopping buses and quizzing the supposed senior citizen passengers. If they can't identify the accordion player on the Lawrence Welk show, we get suspicious, said a spokesman. Canadian citizens have been complaining that the illegal immigrants are creating an organic broccoli shortage while they're renting all of the good Susan Sarandon movies. I feel sorry for American liberals, but the Canadian economy just can't support them, an Ottawa resident said. How many art history majors does one country need? In an effort to ease tensions, Vice President Dick Cheney met with the Canadian ambassador and pledged steps would be taken to assure liberals. We're going to have some Peter, Paul, and Mary concerts, they said, and we might even put some endangered species on postage stamps. The president is determined to reach out. 
All right. That actually was a column by Joe Blundo of the Columbus Dispatch that dates back to November 16th, 2004, if you'd care to find it in the web and, and, um, and read it yourself. We received another uh, email that, uh, that I want to read as well. We modified this one slightly. The headline we have is, Liberals Return to Sodomy and Welfare Fraud. Dateline, Berkeley, California. No longer occupied by the 2004 election, liberals across the country have returned to the activities they enjoy most. Out of wedlock, unusual, and homosexual sex. As well as bilking the welfare system. I was so busy canvassing for the Democratic Party, I haven't had a single moment for suckling at the government's teat or treasonous betrayal of our American values, said Jason Carvelli, an unemployed, pro-hemp, homeless advocate activist and tattoo parlor owner. Now my friends and I can finally get back to warming our hands over American flags burning in trash dumpsters, getting body parts pierced, and working on turning kids gay. Caravelli added that his number one priority is undermining the efforts of freedom-loving patriots everywhere. We don't care which enemies of America we aid. They can be domestic or foreign, so long as everything that's decent about this country is ground into the dirt. Well, I got to say, the other day on Tom Sullivan's program, and, and, and you know, of course, why was I listening to Tom Sullivan's program? It's good, it's good to sort of calibrate every so often what's going on over there on Clear Channel. And uh, he does have an added advantage. Any of you out there who suffer from insomnia, I would recommend, please, get a, get a cheap tape recorder, record some of the Tom Sullivan program, and later, when you're suffering with the inability to, to get to sleep, turn that on. I, I believe that is a solid, solid cure for insomnia, and I've had recommended to many people who have done well with it. But on Tom Sullivan program was former Marine Colonel Ollie North plugging his new book and talking about how over at the CIA there's going to be some there's going to be some uh, changes made over there. They're going to get rid of some of the people that are committing treason over at the CIA. Some of these people that were trying to support John Kerry and not our president. And of course Tom Sullivan was with him all the way. Sure, anyone over there that disagrees with the president must be committing treason. Because I'm, I'm not sure what definition you put on it when, when Ollie North and company were arranging to mine harbors in Nicaragua illegally while taking arms and selling them to the Ayatollah's Iran so that they could take the extra cash through Israeli middlemen and um, put the funds back to the Contra Army of Nicaragua, which was also making money on the side by shipping crack cocaine in the United States. Now, that sort of activity, I think, was, was judged as patriotic. All right, two weeks ago, we spoke uh, to Georgia public broadcasting um, reporter and producer Susan Capaluto about what was going on down in the state of Georgia regarding um, uh, stickers that were put into various science textbooks with disclaimers. The actual one in the textbooks was as follows. This textbook contains material on evolution. Evolution is a theory, not a fact, regarding the origin of living things. This material should be approached with an open mind, studied carefully, and critically considered. We want to thank Susan for an email she sent us on numerous alternative stickers, which might also find themselves uh, placed in Georgia textbooks, such as this textbook suggests that the Earth is round. The shape of the Earth is a controversial topic 
and not all people accept the theory. This material should be approached with an open mind, studied carefully, and critically considered. Or, this textbook contains material on gravity. Gravity is a theory, not a fact, regarding a force that cannot be directly seen. This material should be approached with an open mind, studied carefully, and critically considered. Or how about, this book discusses heliocentrism, a theory that the Earth orbits around a centrally located sun. Because astronomers still disagree over the details of the heliocentric model, this material should be approached with an open mind, studied carefully, and critically considered. Oh, and we got, we got plenty more. This book does not contain the word evolution, the unifying principle in biology, and an important component of the National Science Standards and Scholastic Achievement Tests. For an overview of what your class is missing, go to http colon slash slash evolution dot berkeley dot edu. And how about, this book contains an evolution disclaimer sticker mandated by your local school board. For fun, submit an article to a local paper that probes the motivations of board members and analyzes the impact of weakened science instruction on the success of students' college applications. And another one. This textbook claims that evolution is not fully accepted by scientists because it's just a theory. The author hopes to confuse you into equating scientific theory with cockamamie theory. To read a short blurb on what a scientific theory is, go to willstar.com slash theories. And finally, here's one, I think, a sticker that might go into a book uh, that, uh, <laughs> the kind of book that the people in the school board in Georgia might want to see. This might be the counter sticker. This book mentions creationism, new creationism, scientific creationism, or intelligent design. All of these beliefs rely on the actions of a supernatural entity to explain life on Earth. Scientists rejected supernatural explanations for life in the 1800s and still do today. All right, and if we want to explore why it is perhaps uh, liberals are running around in circles with their hair on fire as conservatives are uh, tightening their control over this nation, we might look at the next item. Dateline Madison, Wisconsin, from Jenny Price writing for the Associated Press. Radio host won't take back Rice remarks. A radio talk show host who called Condoleezza Rice an Aunt Jemima issued an apology Friday, but not to Rice. It is with a heavy heart that I apologize this morning to Aunt Jemima, John Sly Sylvester said on WTDY AM in Madison. She wasn't a self-serving hack politician who got up in Congress and lied. Aunt Jemima didn't kowtow to Don Rumsfeld or Dick Cheney. Sylvester made his comments in conjunction with a giveaway of Aunt Jemima pancake mix and syrup to listeners. Now, Sylvester's apparently white, so when he called Rice an Aunt Jemima on his show to describe her and other black officials who were having a rather subservient role in the Bush administration, um, he also referred to Secretary of State Colin Powell as an Uncle Tom, of course a contemptuous term for black people whose behavior toward whites is regarded as fawning or servile, this has opened up a firestorm of criticism. NAAC President Kwesi Mufuni said people who make such remarks are just as bad as those who hide under sheets and burn crosses. Well, now, 
I have a hard time equating this with a guy with, with a Ku Klux Klan member burning a cross on a lawn. Madison's mayor called the remarks racially insensitive, which I suppose they are. Democratic Senator Russ Feingold said he joined all Wisconsin residents in rejecting the statements. <laughs> Doesn't the senator have something better to do? Tom Walker, general manager of the Midwest Family Broadcast Group, which owns the station, said he doesn't agree with Sylvester's statements, but defended his right to free speech. Well, hear, hear. He has the right to do it and say it, Walker said after Friday morning's broadcast. As long as he isn't hateful and as long as he isn't racist, I'm fine with it. Sylvester told listeners he would resign if his employer lost advertisers or was hurt over the uproar. But then said, he said, Aunt Jemima was a really strong, independent black woman named Nancy Green. She was born a slave in Kentucky and was later hired in the 1890s to advertise the pancake mix. Sylvester said, Aunt Jemima never lied about yellow cake uranium. She just made a damn good pancake. Now, uh, I I don't know whether you've noticed, but uh, over in the Ukraine, there is a huge uproar going on over the fact that Although exit polls showed that the opposition candidate was leading when the votes were actually counted, the reigning prime minister retained his office. Um, in the Ukraine, this was seen as signs that the election was a fraud. It was so labeled by uh, the aforementioned Secretary of State Colin Powell. And uh, it, uh, it, you know, it's not, it's not clear what's going to happen. But thousands are marching. The public is mobilized. They're saying this is election fraud and something must be done about it. Whereas, the United States of America, when we had an election and the exit polling showed that the challenger was ahead, but when the votes were actually counted, the incumbent apparently retained his office, it is universally or almost universally accepted as legitimate. Well, maybe I'm overstating it, but the polls I've seen show that 80% of the public is accepting of the fact that George Bush legitimately was reelected this month. There's going to be a, a recount in Ohio and I and I guess New Hampshire as well. I don't think it's going to change who is going to uh, receive the oath of office on January 20th, 2005. But you know, just for academic purposes, I'd like to know whether Bush's win was legitimate. Of course, we are going to come back to that topic, rest assured. Um, a little miscellaneous item I thought worthy of comment. Workers in Tel Aviv, Israel, uh, went out to a Lux soap advertisement that featured actress Sarah Jessica Parker and uh, painted over it. In the original, she had her shoulder bared and much of her back was visible. And this was objected to by the ultra-Orthodox Jewish population, which requires women to dress modestly. These account for about 10% of the Israeli population. They complained, and so people got out the paintbrush and then painted on a dress that covers her shoulders and back. A spokesman for the parent company, Unilever, said that the wardrobe was altered to be more suitable for the arrival of winter in Israel. The winter came suddenly. Last week it was summer. Now it's raining and cold. Everybody has the flu, said the spokesman, who declined to give his name. He also said that company officials were unavailable to discuss the reported complaints. Um, you know, there's a very vocal, uh, vociferous uh, population in Israel of the ortho- ultra-Orthodox who are um, a source of great heartache in that part of the world. And I think it's uh, worth keeping in mind that like the Taliban, uh, people 
of the ultra-Orthodox persuasion have very funny views about what's proper for women, and uh, they aren't necessarily the views we have here in America. And yet, uh, things get done in that country uh, based on uh, this constituency's um, complaints. It's a small matter as regarding a Lux Soap billboard. It's a considerably larger matter when it has to do with settlements in the West Bank or Gaza. I'm kind of on a miscellaneous roll today, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with it on this segment. Item, reported in the Boston Globe by Ellen Goodman. In Texas, high school contraception has ceased to exist, reported Ms. Goodman. After the state's Board of Education decided that teens can handle any mention of condoms or other forms of birth control. So from now on, all sex education textbooks will advise that abstinence is the only way of avoiding pregnancy and sexually transmitted diseases. It's another victory for the abstinence-only movement that's now sweeping the red states. As far as I can see, the abstinence-only movement has been spectacularly successful in producing one thing, unwanted pregnancies. I'm looking down at the obituary for Yasser Arafat. I suppose that uh, Arafat is certainly worthy of some comments, and and I just I, I just I don't know where to begin with Yasser Arafat. Um, he sort of was the symbol of the Palestinian cause to so many, and yet by all accounts he was a corrupt operator who put clinging to power foremost among his goals in life, and which he managed to do right up to the very end. I think it's going to require some, some thought to make some comments upon Arafat. Hopefully we'll get a guest. I think we'll try and get Gil Medavoy, uh, who does the excellent program right here on KDVS, Crossing Continents, heard every Saturday, to, um, to come back and talk to us a bit about uh, what, what Arafat's uh, passing means to the world. I, I did note some months back, about six months ago, that Ariel Sharon commented in Israel that, you know, we'll take out Arafat at the time and place of our choosing. And, and we did note that... Uh, there's been this uh, rumor circulated that, well, they, they checked him for poisons and they couldn't find anything known to the doctors. And, uh, well, you know, you just wonder if, if they kindly got fed up and decided to take Arafat out. Of course, this, this raises the problem for Ariel Sharon of now what? They could always claim in Israel that they were not going to deal with the Palestinian question as long as they had a leader they could not trust, e.g. Yasser Arafat. Well, with Arafat's passing... Uh, it's hard to put the blame on him, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. We, of course, in this program, uh, hope that the two sides will uh, can put their heads together and do so quickly to resolve uh, that uh, the issues in that part of the world. We're not optimistic that we're going to see much progress, however, with Ariel Sharon in charge. All right, I think we're about out of time on this segment. You know, I just we just never have enough time on this show. Anyway, I'm Douglas Everett. You're listening to Radio Parallax, and this is KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento.